Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. With JP McNamara on C103. And good morning to you on the weather front. It looks like Sunday is going to be the warmest day this weekend at 25 degrees. Saturday will see highs of 23 degrees. And according to the TV weather I was watching last night, there'll be more sunshine on Saturday than Sunday, but still Sunday, the warmer of the two, whatever. It's going to be a dry weekend and a nice warm weekend here in Cork, so we can enjoy that and look forward to that. And good morning to you on this Friday. It's Cork Today. John Paul McNamara in for Patricia right through until one. Bernie is back taking your comments on 1850-333-103. If you want to raise something on the show, you can call Bernie. Also, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can tweet us across the morning at C103 Cork. And ahead on the programme... We're going to hear and discuss with the MEP for Ireland South, Deirdre Clune, shortly about the Northern Ireland Protocol and the effect that it's having here on us, not only in Ireland, but the entire European Union, but also the effect for us in Ireland as in our own daily lives. What is the impact to us? What is the impact on businesses and on us as consumers going into the future? Because Joe Biden now has got involved in the debate with the Northern Ireland Protocol He's putting pressure on the UK and also on the EU regarding this. And during the weeks, you would have heard some commissioners within Europe thought the only way uh, and the only answer to deal with this was leaving the entire island of Ireland out of the single market. So we'll discuss uh, shortly on that issue and your views are welcome on that. Also, how a number of people are reoffending on purpose just so they can have a roof over their heads. That's the extreme people are going to now who find themselves in a situation 
situation where they're homeless if they reoffend again they know they will be sent to prison or someplace and we'll speak with Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners who has come across this and her work with those she deals with on the streets of Cork City and we're going to talk about regional accents many feel the mid-Atlantic drift is coming into children's accents as they watch too much some let's say UK and US TV shows a lot of those as well streaming now online and produced in the UK or US so we'll speak with a voice coach on this I mean do you like regional accents some people hate local accents and hate local dialect other people love the various accents across not only here in Ireland but different countries across the world and what is your favourite Irish accent and let us know we'll be discussing that have you noticed that do you think uh, that the younger people as in children that the accents are drifting away and they are speaking more with a twang uh, from America or the UK because of they are watching more and more shows produced in those countries maybe not watching enough Irish TV anyhow uh, your views are welcome and your favourite Irish accent what's your favourite would it be maybe the Donegal accent or the accent from County Tyrone County Down maybe Dublin whatever is your favourite Irish accent and let us know we'll be discussing that later on in the programme we're going to hear how a Skibbereen pottery studio have come up with a new way of fundraising this year for Marymount Hospice they do this every year but due to Covid and the measures that have been in place and the restrictions they have something new this year we'll speak with them later in the show from Skibbereen and we're we're going to be hearing more today. We spoke yesterday with Harold Kingston from the IFA on how farmers are now taken to the streets in the next hour for a nationwide rally. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran will be at one of those rallies and will join her later in the programme on how things are going, what the mood is like and we heard the reasons for that, what will happen or what they, they hope will happen after the protest today. Also ahead we'll be featuring in our series of Cork versus Covid looking at the impact on cinemas and theatres and Mark Malone is along after 12.30 uh, looking ahead to what movies you might be interested in streaming across the weekend or maybe you might venture into the cinema as well. That and more to come. Between now and one, our lines are open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 But as we mentioned the weather there and the good weather across the weekend, good news for Cork City because four more streets are set to become wide open and pedestrianised and going to have the Princess Street treatment. Yes, those large umbrellas you see on Princess Street, they're going to be coming to more streets in Cork City. And they're going to be going along to Pembroke Street and Beasley Street and they both connect at Oliver Plunkett Street and South Mall. So viewing wise that will look well uh, for the city centre. And then Union Quay which runs along the riverfront uh, from Anglesey Street towards South Terrace. They'll also get these umbrellas as will Carline Street and that does connect to Oliver Plunkett Street with Mailer Street. So good areas of the city centre there and it will give a further boost to the city and Cork really embracing the outdoor dining. And with that in mind and people getting back to going outdoors last night it saw one of the test features for COVID with regards to that outdoor concert and yes social distancing and face masks and all of that uh, did play a part in the first gig uh, but many that attended this uh, felt that the atmosphere was calm they were buzzing and even though there was what some said a lack of booze they still really enjoyed a sunny night last night or sunny evening last night even at the Ivy Gardens in Dublin for that first test concert that's been held in Ireland so that's some good news 
news there and how things are slowly returning back to normal, even though there is some concerns from the World Health Organization with this new Delta strain, as they're calling it, the Indian strain, that there could be further lockdowns in Europe. Uh, The only thing is uh, the countries who are vaccinated more, it might have an impact here on people who wish to travel to other countries because other countries may go back into lockdown and you might not be able to enter that country because the country could be shutting down. But uh, countries that have a high rate of vaccines uh, and vaccination programmes underway are not experiencing what other countries are where the vaccine rate isn't as high or hasn't been rolled out uh, because they'd have larger populations than us here in Ireland and why Ireland was maybe behind some other countries our population isn't as high so we're kind of catching up to those who were ahead of us mainly the UK uh, but you can see the effect already here with nursing homes with the vulnerable in the community and the COVID rates I think Cork one of the lowest COVID rates in the country overall uh, not doing as bad as other countries at the moment across Europe but the World Health Organization are warning that there could be a fourth wave but will that hit us? It depends on travel in and out it depends uh, on the type of variant and so far the vaccines are working as some people wait for their second uh, vaccine uh, already that there's worries out there from people who got the AstraZeneca vaccine waiting for their second jab hopefully that will come within the next few weeks because they have pushed that back from 12 to 8 but with that in mind the worry is still out there until they get the second jab for many people who have been contacting us but if if things are going right as they are at the moment in this country and if it, if we keep going in this direction hopefully the fourth wave won't hit, hit us all here in Ireland unless again people wish to travel to another country within Europe or the world who are having problems if we can maintain what we're doing we can get back to some type of normality anyhow uh, for the summer and into the winter months but again we'll have to wait and see what happens but it does show that the vaccines are playing a part when things are reopening here and there's no major worries as yet for Ireland anyhow even though the north are seemingly have a spike but again they feel it's the Indian variant in there uh, and it depends again on the vaccine situation in the north even though they are flying ahead uh, with the vaccine too so it just really depends I mean it's it's something that no one knows where we'll go in the future we just hope with everything going on here in Ireland and how we are uh, doing well now and have been for the last number of weeks that we will continue to do so and we'll stay positive about that and on something totally different team of researchers they have plumbed to the depths of Loch Ein, uh, which is near Skib and the reason they have done that, they're trying to solve this mystery of disappearing marine sponges. Uh, the lock, which is very popular for tourists and very popular for locals, it's basically the sponge that grows underneath the seabed and around the seabed. We have professors from New Zealand and UCC looking into this and they're trying to find out how possibly thousands of sponges from the underwater cliffs inside Loch Ine, uh, that they seem to be just disappearing and they can't figure out why the loss is. Now they have secured funding from the National Parks and Wildlife Service of the Department of Housing, local governments and heritage to study this unusual event. So we'll see what they find but uh, in what is in a beautiful spot near Skib uh, it is a unique event that they can't figure out why that is happening. And in some retail news that's coming through this morning, we would have heard this with Barry earlier, Brown, Thomas and Arnott's, uh, it's most really two of Ireland's iconic department stores, it's believed they could be for sale as part of a £4.65 billion deal alongside the British department store Selfridges because the Western family, of course, own uh, both Brown, Thomas, Arnott's and part of the Selfridge group and they're considering that offer that they've been given from a buyer who has approached them. And do you like fruit? Do you like your bananas and apples? 
and maybe oranges. Well, it seems Irish teenagers are not eating enough fruit and veg. Uh, they're consuming less than three servings a day, while the consumption of sugar, salt and saturated fats is higher than recommended. A new study is out on this and they've really studied people right across the country here from various u- universities and technology camps and they feel that now at the moment young people are eating less fibre than advisable while a significant number of have inadequate intakes and obviously this, this does affect them when you don't eat enough fruit the vitamins like vitamin D, C uh, you hear Annalisa on about B6 and various vitamins. They all are affected, so they have an inadequate intake of those various vitamins. Anyhow, the National Teens Food Survey has found that a quarter of teenagers are classified also to be overweight or obese. So a problem there when it comes to us, and or not all of us, but certain people in population are not eating uh, fruit and it's having, a, having an effect when it comes to calcium levels within their body. And something then I saw this is in the southern star this week and it's how lifeguards who operate in all in many of the beaches anyhow here in Cork but three lifeguards in West Cork are each facing a three hour daily commute because they can't find accommodation anywhere in the West Cork region. One lifeguard who's the 21 year old student said that landlords don't want students renting off them because of everything they have heard with what's going on in the city and no one is either interested in a long term or indeed a holiday lease. They have been offered places for two weeks but at a very high cost and also the main thing coming into play here is everybody at the moment wants a staycation in areas like West Cork like Kerry like West Clare they're the big spots at the moment for people from other parts of the country and the two areas that have been identified as problematic areas for lifeguards to find places to live are Clonacilty and Ross Carberry and again Staycationers is the big reason there as they flock the coastal towns and Clonakilty really and Ross really becoming a hotspot not only for staycationers but people who wish to move there who want to change the pace of life who now know they can work remotely from home and house prices in those areas has increased and I know other parts of the country have seen that in towns that would be like Clonacilty uh, and indeed Kinsale and Ross Carberry in those areas. Anyhow, your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 Our lines are open. Bernie takes your comments across the morning or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 I mentioned there and we'll discuss very shortly regarding what is happening on the Northern Ireland Protocol and the pressure now coming from the US even and the EU, who seems they are losing pace, patience when it does come to that agreement uh, between the UK and the EU, all to do with Brexit. Well, on that, Michael says, Hi JP, President Biden will not be clear of the Irish coastline on his way back to the US when Boris will be back to his old tricks, read the Northern Ireland Protocol. It's a start to see America supplying 500 million vaccination doses to developing countries, plus 100 million from the UK. However, a long way short of the 11 billion required. We might have better news today from the G7 when they discuss it. Pfizer, Moderna and JJ have offered 1.3 billion at cost price as well. However, where the biggest problem lies is getting it in people's arms in good time. It's going to be a massive challenge and they will need assistance, says Michael in Castletown Bear regarding what's happening in Cornwall with the G7 on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 
country and the impact for us on the ground here in Ireland. What is going to happen uh, when they continue with this debate over the Northern Ireland Protocol? Nothing has been agreed as yet. There's mixed views on this. And when you hear during the week that there were even a thought of the entire island of Ireland being left out of the single market, how would that impact on us who just live our daily lives and don't really know the impact of the EU has here on us. How would that, would that change things regarding goods in and out of this country? Could we see price rises if that was to happen? Or is it totally off the cards? Well, we'll discuss that next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. As the US President Joe Biden gets involved with the Northern Ireland Protocol, pressure is now on the UK and indeed the EU. Our MEP for Ireland South Deirdre Clune joins me on this. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Uh, good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. I suppose the, the fear came this week when it was rumoured in the European Parliament that some commissioners there thought the only answer to this was maybe leaving the entire island of Ireland out of the single market, and that was ruled out in the end, but still it's, it was spoken about, and that's the concern here in Ireland. I mean, when we discuss this, first of all, the protocol, can we explain that in layman's terms, what exactly the impact is on this? But yeah, the protocol is, as you know, designed to protect the Good Friday Agreement and ensure that there is no border on the island of Ireland. Um, and, and in order to ensure that that happens, it was agreed by the European Union and the United Kingdom uh, that there would that there would be checks on products going from Great Britain to Northern Ireland to ensure the integrity of the single market. Now. That protocol was agreed in an international treaty signed by the Europe- European Union and the United Kingdom. And that was 2019, and there was time to implement it and to explain to the operators on the ground the detail of it and what it would mean for them. That wasn't done from the UK side. And um, now we find we're in a situation where they have um, said, basically saying that are they not going to, they're not implementing protocol not implementing the agreement um, David Frost the UK negotiator just unilaterally said he's going to extend it again without even consulting their parties which are the uh, European Union and so that has led to a situation with a lack of trust uh, there's tensions in the in the arrangement and there's a, a, a um, relationships that are not good at the moment and because of that, I mean, the main thing is, from an Irish point of view, no one wants to go back to the violence we saw a number of years ago. We don't want a hard border in this country. Do you feel when Brexit was being discussed, it was mainly from a London point of view, they totally forgot about Northern Ireland and the six counties and this didn't enter their heads. And now they, it's going to be hard to satisfy both communities in the north. Well, I wouldn't say that they were they forgot Northern Ireland at all, and I don't think Northern Ireland have forgotten in the negotiations. In fact, it was. But the, from the Brexit years point of view, did they forget Northern Ireland? That they wanted this voted through? People did vote in certain areas of the UK, uh, maybe not in the north to leave Europe, but they did in other areas of the UK. But is the, did they even think about the consequences that if you're going to leave Europe, you have a land border in Ireland? They well, they were well reminded of it, and it was central to the negotiations. The, situation on the island of Ireland uh, the Good Friday Agreement as you know we voted by the people of Ireland uh, north and south and both governments, the Irish government and uh, the United Kingdom 
government have, have an ob- obligation to protect that agreement. That was recognised by the European Union. Absolutely, the Good Friday Agreement, really important, has to be protected. So the United Kingdom were well aware of this in all the discussions. I mean, they, they had no opportunity to forget it at all. It was part of the withdrawal agreement and built into now the um, the trade agreement that we have with the UK. So they were, as I said, they agreed it in 2019. Uh, they agreed the protocol to protect the island of Ireland, to provide to protect the peace process. And um, the consequences they should have been, they were aware of, absolutely. And they did nothing to move to work with those who were on the ground. You know, business business operators, those dealing in plant and animal products coming from Great Britain to North Ireland and vice versa as well. So, but, but you know, it, it's a de- it's a de- the agreement is there. Was, the, the, any talk of abandoning the protocol is, is just rubbish. It's not going. That's not going to happen. It's an international treaty. It's been signed. It's in both sides' interests, and it's their obligation now to make sure that it's operated and that the, it's implemented fully. And you mentioned there that, you know, it has been signed, it has to be implemented. You also said tensions are are great between both the UK and the EU. And it's noticeable when you see what's going on on TV news, especially, and you see the faces on both sides and the frustration from the commentators in Europe. But uh, with the US president now involved, do you think his pressure will make the UK change their way of thinking or will it have any impact? Because he, in the London Times, anyhow, according to that paper yesterday, he blames the UK for any flare-ups in the North in the past number of months, a lot of those have come because of the idea of a hard border, but also of the idea that the unionist community in the North feel, you know, they should be within the UK. Everything should go the way it's happening in other parts of the UK, while the nationalist community, you know, understand that things could be a bit different and they see a different viewpoint. And while it's a very complex relationship in, in, in the, I suppose, between our two countries to begin with, uh, can you see any any light at the end of the tunnel with this? Because both sides don't seem to be moving and the UK seem to be quite stubborn on this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I can see see light. I mean, if, if we implement the agreement uh, as was thrashed out and negotiated line by line and item by item, that then there can be a solution. I mean, what's been, what's been said, and significantly, Joe Biden said yesterday that... Um, it, you know, this is, it's something similar to the Swiss arrangement, whereby your veterinary agreements, and that would solve eighty percent of the checks. That he wouldn't look at that negatively in terms of doing a further deal with the UK, US, UK deal. So that is a solution similar to that we have with Switzerland, and Switzerland has borders Italy, Germany, and Austria. So they have a system in place whereby uh, there's a veterinary recognition. Eighty percent of the checks are, are not needed. Uh, and it, it it does work, and something similar to that could be done in Northern Ireland, but the UK um, need to agree to it. And if they did that, it would save a lot of the tension. So, you know, we hope at the end of this month that we don't have um, the UK moving unilaterally on their own without dis- t- discussing with their partners to extend these grace periods that we're in. Hope I really hope that wouldn't happen because that would only again fly in the face of of the European Union and further undermine uh, trust and lead to these the tensions further tensions that we've been seen in the last that we've seen in the last weeks 
And we know that this morning in Fermanagh, Arlene Foster is hosting her, what will be her last significant event as First Minister. And also the British Irish Council is going ahead today there. You know, obviously the Brexit in, in I protocol will be on the agenda, plus much more in the G7 in Cornwall. It isn't on the agenda, but it really is hanging over uh, the whole event. If the UK don't agree and if they remain the way they are and the EU can't get them even when you mention uh, the border countries and other parts of Europe there how they work if they don't want to go down that route what is the impact then for us as ordinary citizens in Ireland who go about our day and for for those who who cross the border each and every day how would it impact our lives if there is a delay implementing this protocol? Well protocol it should be in place. Is in place at the moment. It's a matter of the UK implementing it. The Ireland, mm. Ireland is doing that. Ireland is, is operating as, as as best we can within the difficult circumstances because it's not easy for Irish business operators as well in those trading. It's yeah, and the EU have them. admitted that. The EU have said this week that the hardest country hit by Brexit is Ireland. They've said that publicly this week again. They've said it again, and that was always clear and always the case. Yeah, they said it again. And we, but I would say that the Irish government were well prepared and they had prepared businesses for the change even though it was a long time coming uh, the change was coming and wasn't coming and eventually happened at the beginning of this year so we were more prepared this side uh, in the south than than in the north and that's down to the preparation of, of the UK government but you know the protocol the, the, what what's intended with the protocol is that there would be no border and that the free movement north-south could, could still happen and, and, and still is happening and if if the youth, if the, those in Northern Ireland would realise they're in a very good situation, they can have access to the uh, European single market through the Republic of Ireland. They can trade there freely, and they can also trade uh, across the Irish Sea with Great Britain. So they have a, a unique situation. They'd be very attractive from an investment point of view, and um, it's something that they don't seem to be um, grasping. Well, their politicians, their political leaders at the moment aren't grasping. I'm sure those on the ground understand it really well. Yeah, and business people up there have made that point you have uh, said there, while I think it's down to the uh, political parties in the North and it goes back to the old traditions that they are, they want to be a one part of the union, others want to be on the other side and that's where the intensity comes from and the divide comes from and again, uh, looking in the window at this and you can see why the President in the US, Joe Biden, has blame, has said he blames the UK for the flare-ups over the past while because it does look like when they were leaving EU, uh, the UK that is leaving the EU, that they just totally forgot about the implications of the North. And that's why I mentioned that at the start. It's just like, that. let's leave the well, EU. And they forgot totally about all of this and they were not prepared. Well, did they forget about it? Did they just thought they could might just blaze through and ignore it? Well, maybe um, they thought they, that, yeah. Maybe yeah, they thought they could so, bull, bulldoze through and ignore the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, and, and significant to Joe Biden's contribution in the last number of days is the Good Friday Agreement and the protocol. He doesn't see any difference between the two of them. The one is there to protect, the, the protocol is there to protect the Good Friday Agreement. And, um, you know, the U.S. were really involved in that and ensuring that and, and they feel they own part of that peace process as well. And they, they're very conscious of it and that any any change in the situation on the island of Ireland could undermine that agreement. And totally. uh, we just absolutely do not want to see that happen. Yeah. So there are there are solutions there, I mean, but it doesn't help um, when trust is undermined and one, one partner goes off and uh, unilaterally extends grace periods without even discussing the difficulties that they have. That's the big thing. And the European Union as well. You must, Mara Shetkovic, the commissioner, is acting on behalf of 27 member states who really value their single market and want to protect it. I mean, we know those producing food, plant or food products here in the island of Ireland have very high standards 
to comply with in order to access that market. And that's good. We've built it up over a number of years uh, and it, it works really well. You pay a premium for food in, in, in the European Union, but you pay for good quality food where you know it's produced, you know it's producers and how it has been produced. And that is a premium that's what consumers value. We don't want that undermined. The European Union certainly doesn't want it. So and that's at the heart of this too, protecting the, the European single market. Well, we'll wait and see what happens today, Deirdre, out of Fermanagh and also out of Cornwall with the G7. But for the moment, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. That is Irish South MEP Deirdre Clune. Your views are welcome on that regarding what's happening with that today and its developing story. 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And something you would have heard earlier with Barry on the news, and this is a milestone because we keep getting calls and texts regarding the vaccination programme and how it's performing. Well, a milestone has been reached regarding the COVID vaccination programme, and that's here in Cork. Over 100,000 vaccinations have been administered at the two Cork City vaccination centres, both in Parky Cueve and Cork City Hall. Uh, both vaccination centres are currently vaccinating those aged in their 40s or above. And the South Southwest Hospital Group, they say the figure is a milestone in the vaccination programme in the region. The programme will continue to be rolled out in accordance with the national guidelines and centres and they're being staffed and resourced as vaccines become available but members of the public are encouraged to continue to register online or by phone and of course that portal for those we got many calls yesterday and again this morning if you're aged in the 30 to 39 year old age group that portal is opening next week. I don't have a day on that yet but next week is when that portal is opening for the 30 to 39 year old age group and also I have got a text in here and this is from Evelyn and if you're in the Skibbereen area maybe this affects you because Evelyn and her husband uh, they found a large sum of money on the couches in a store in Skibbereen now it is they say and they want to uh, make sure we we say that it is a, it's a very large sum of money uh, and they're worried that somebody out there maybe an elderly person has lost this uh, so if anyone has lost a, a large sum of money uh, Evan, we have evidence details here. We have our phone number. If you can get in contact with us, Bernie on 1850 333 103, we can pass you on evidence details. Again, the large sum was found in a store in Skibbereen in the couches of the store. And when Evelyn just sat down, she just noticed something. She picked it up and realised what it was. So if you can help out there, uh, they've had no luck themselves tracking down that person. Maybe someone uh, listening to us, you've realised you've lost that sum of money and you don't know where it's gone. Well, well, Evelyn has it. She'll be very happy to give it back to you. Uh, contact us. We'll pass on the details. 1850-333-103. Later on in the show, we are going to be hearing from the farmers' protest this morning that is happening in many areas of the county. Of course, we spoke yesterday to Harold Kingston of the IFA and he was outlining the main reasons why they are protesting today. It's against the government's climate action bill, also the cap proposals. And they are in many parts of Ireland. But here in Cork, the protest taking place in in Bandon, Skibbereen, Middleton, Kenturk and Mitchellstown will be hearing uh, from the farming organisations after 11 here on C103. Also, I love your view on regional accents. We have a few people already into, into us on text regarding this. We're discussing regional accents after 11. 
because many people feel there's a mid-Atlantic drift uh, coming in uh, for children who are watching US and UK TV shows. They feel that because those shows are produced elsewhere, they're getting a kind of a lilt of uh, a UK accent or maybe a United States accent coming in. And they are worried about the future of regional accents. Well, we're going to speak to a vocal coach after 11 on this. But uh, what's your favourite? Maureen on Texas. I love the Donegal accent. I think it's a beautiful accent. I love their lilt. Also, Amanda saying, yes, I agree with you when you were speaking with Ken earlier. The County Tyrone accent or any northern accent I really love. Not too sure why, but I do love the northern accent. Uh, Roy says, I love a Scottish or Welsh accent. I think they really speak beautifully, uh, says Roy. While Dennis says, while here in Cork, we always have good banter with those in Dublin. I do like the inner city Dublin accent. Uh, Those who were born and bred in the Liberties, they're fine people and I love uh, their accents especially uh, he says Dennis that is when they're storytelling uh, some great storytellers over the years from Dublin so what's your favourite uh, Irish accents is it like Maureen Donegal or maybe any of the northern counties or like Dennis Dublin or maybe it's elsewhere then like Roy Scotland or Wales or maybe some other part of the world you just love their accent let us know you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call Bernie 1850 we're having problems just connecting to Katrina Toomey. We hopefully will chat to her before the close of the show on what is happening uh, with the... And she's, she's here. OK, we have her. This is over because of a number of people that are reoffending again on the streets of Cork. This is just to get a roof over their heads. Katrina Toomey joins me. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, John. And thanks for joining us. I know you're having a busy morning, but uh, you've obviously noticed this over the last number of weeks or spoke to people. And is it just because there is no availability and they can't find a place to live that they are recommissioning again just to get a roof over their heads? Yeah, and to feel safer. Is that it? Because, yeah, you know, like we we have a cold country and we have a very, very wet, damp country, you know, so... Health-wise, it's not ideal to be living on the streets at all at all. And it is going to affect you, you know, over time. Also, you know, there's lots of deaths on the streets, as you know, and people are worried about that. But it's not in the last number of weeks. It's in the last number of maybe two to three years. You know, it started creeping in with people when they were finding no hope of getting a place, of getting, you know, a, a bed set, getting a an apartment, getting a house, getting a share, house share, getting anything. And they may not be able to access permanent beds then as well. So they were just feeling like that they had, they would have had real, they would have had offended and they just felt it was safer to go back and access the services that are available in the prison to try and help them grow themselves so that maybe when they come back out, they're in a better position, you know, and mentally, Mm. to keep themselves straight. But again, you know, when you come out from the prison, you may have a bed in Simon if you're homeless or you may not. You could be on the street that night. So you're going from an, you know, an enclosed place, the prison, where you would have had your roof and you would have had your your food out onto the street then and then knocking at the doors start and sometimes those doors just don't open and you slip through the net and a person then is just left to walk the street and to to ponder, you know, all the time and what's better for them and they'd go back in. You know, we had, we had a chat with some fellow one time and he said he just feels like that if he stays out any longer he'll be so demented that he may do something 
bad, like, and he, does, he didn't want to. So he said doing something small and getting into prison would save his life, and that's what he did. And, and that's the reality of what is happening. That's, that's the reality of it, because you must remember, look, it's not just homelessness and rough sleeping and things like that. When you're in that situation, your mental health suffers greatly. Mm. And during the lockdown, all those services were knocked off for everybody. So you couldn't access it. There was no place you could walk in and say, I'm at risk here today. Like, you know, these things can't be done. So everything is sorted by appointment. So the government have to rethink the structure of their mental health system because those that are working in it are doing the great job, the best, you know, of their abilities that they're doing that. But there's just not enough resources, there's not enough services. And, like, if we didn't have the legs of the charities, I suppose, like, we'd have the Samaritans, Kate, and all of them, for all voluntary services. Where would the country be? Yeah, where would those people and be able to attend to? Where, yeah, yeah, where would they go? And look at the people that aren't living in the city where those services are. Look at the people that are living, uh, you know, down Mallow, down all those areas that, that that have mental health issues. You know, you you have to think of the trauma, the journey for them to get to the city, offer to get into some place, offer to make an appointment. You know, sometimes people just don't have the money to access uh, travel. If, if you know, if you don't drive a car. And you're living outside Cork, like you're in trouble, aren't you, really? Because you are. Uh, and yeah, it can be the know? visible thing is the city, you can see the homelessness, you can see it happening, whereas in county yeah. areas, it can be somebody who's going, staying with a friend from one night to another, couch surfing exactly. in a way, and it's not visible. So you would think, oh, this doesn't affect the county areas, it's just in the city, yeah. where it affects the entire uh, part of Cork. And as you mentioned, it is probably happening in the county as well, where people feel it's it more attractive even, to get a bed in jail. Yeah, even yesterday, we got a call out to, to go to an area which is, I suppose, it's outside Carrigaline, we'll say, and then we got a call out to go to a la- an area where a lady was spotted sleeping uh, by a few swimmers. Now, we went down and we found where she's sleeping, and um, we didn't find her, but we left um, a message below with some of the neighbours and Angela in the ship and, and Fiona Cochran from the Chernobyl Children's Project. They're all going to get on top of it, and we'll see what's wrong, because all her belongings were all there. But um, just to see why this lady will be sleeping where she is sleeping under a bit of tarpaulin, and um, and that's in an area that's well outside the city, you know. So like it does happen, and you know you we do, you don't get a report. We think we saw some fella here, or we think we saw somebody in this place, you know. And we check it out. Some of it might be okay, but some of it might be not. But the reason they're out there <coughs> is they're not from the city, and they, they wouldn't be able to manage the city so uh, their way is, is keep it out of the city and keep it close to where they're from so that they can access whatever services that they would be accessing in that area like social welfare no maybe and things like that yeah but um but we must look at the mental health side of this and we must look at the budget look another scary thing is <laughs> the services that we have now 
you know, the ones that the government have out there. They're going to have to cut back on some of those to bring back some of the money that was paid out during the pandemic. I've heard that, and yeah, we discussed it earlier yeah. in the week because the Youth Foundation are very worried about what they say oh. is a big generation time bomb coming down the line, and there's no beds now in a lot of the institutions for those who require it. So while exactly. maybe in jails they might be able to have some experience in dealing with health and addiction, and it might help them if they're in prison when they leave out yeah. or when they're left out, uh, for those who don't end up in that situation, I have nowhere to go. No, and you can imagine the fear. Like when, when you're on the streets, if you don't, I suppose, if you're on your own, that's a scary situation. Could you mm. imagine being out in, in you know, the darkness of the night and the cold of the night and not knowing anybody else on the streets? And then you, you get to know them, and sometimes people have to hang around together to keep themselves protected. And then they might end up with drink or with drugs, you know, just to, to ease the pain or whatever it is. But it is a hard life. Some don't mind it. They'll stay on the streets for it. They, they actually enjoy that kind of life. They've grown used to it. Institutionalized it, but that's a mental health issue again. But um, for the majority of people, they really want not to be where they are. And, and then if they're there the next day and the next day and the next week, the next month, and, and you know, going right up into almost a year, like, how can you survive that long in that state and yeah. frame of mind? It's very, very, very difficult and it's something that we have to address very quickly because the amount of debts that we have just show us how dangerous all of this is. Yeah, and they can't go on. We can't go on reporting debts every few weeks from people who are on the streets or are finding life tough uh, because of a lack of mental health services and indeed for people in the situation you're noticing there uh, over the past number of years. Katrina, thanks for joining us. Best of luck to you and the team as always in Penny Dinners, the great work you do there and we'll no doubt chat very soon. That is Katrina Toomey there of Penny Dinners, the reality of what is happening on our streets, people reoffending just so they can have a roof over their heads within jail. They can access uh, those uh, services that deal with addiction but also people not only in the city areas and in county areas uh, whereby homelessness is a big issue and they are ending up in a similar boat and a lot of this too is to do with uh, the mental health uh, which was described in one of the papers during the week a tsunami that is coming down the line and this is where it can end up a lot of the time anyhow uh, your views are welcome 1850 333 103 text or whatsapp 0862103103 on the way we'll be going to those farmers protests uh, getting reaction to those taking uh, part today across the county today is Cork today on C103 John Paul McNamara in for Patricia until one. Uh, Patricia's back from our holidays on Monday and Bernie's taking your comments across the show 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 We discussed there the situation on the streets, how some people who are homeless now are reoffending again so they can get a bed in jail and Katrina Toomey noticing this trend over the last number of years from Penny Dinners. We spoke to her just before 11 o'clock. Morris has a point though on that uh, he says why are those people homeless first day why don't they get a job like the rest of us they are spoilt fields Morris he says put them to work maybe some type of work scheme would that not solve a situation uh, says Morris on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and we spoke earlier with Ireland South MEP Deirdre Clune this was in regards to the Northern Ireland Protocol 
A lot of debate over that this week. Uh, a lot of fury from Europe. A lot of worry, first of all, then in Ireland when they thought that Ireland would be out of the single market but yet still part of the EU. Uh, that was one of the ideas but that was ruled out and still the UK haven't come forth and an agreement hasn't been reached. It has taken the US President Joe Biden really to put pressure now on both sides to sort this. And the main thing in Ireland is, apart from trade, you just don't want any flare up again or any violence in the North uh, that's the last thing we want and that's the, the bigger picture in all of this. Anyhow, on that, Heidi says, good morning, JP. And it's time, as Heidi says, to look at the bigger picture when it comes to the EU. Uh, they are still angry that the UK left because the UK paid a greater amount to the EU. Now they have to try and find the big hole in their economy and they are making it as hard as possible on the UK so that other countries like Italy or France, that they don't leave the EU or if they are looking to leave the EU, they'll see how hard it was for the UK and they won't leave says Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and on the accents we're discussing regional accents very shortly uh, with a vocal coach some feel we're losing our regional accents in this country because so many younger people as in children are watching these streaming services and watching TV programmes produced in the UK and in the US and on that uh, regarding accents a lot of callers loving the accents in Donegal in County Tyrone in County Down uh, we've got people outside of Ireland um, or people in Ireland who love accents outside of Ireland as well we welcome those uh, comments not only Irish accents any accents Scottish, Welsh and uh, the liberties in Dublin a lot of people liking the uh, Dublin accent and a few people of course you'd have to get this and wouldn't do the Cork accent all the way it's what a lot of people are saying as well on text so what's your favourite accent your favourite regional Irish accent or indeed accent anywhere in the country let us know call Bernie 1850 text or WhatsApp 086 103103. We will be discussing that shortly on the programme. But I want to go to Bandon because farmers have taken to the streets in many towns across the country today for a nationwide rally. Yesterday we spoke with Harold Kingston on the show from the IFA on the reasoning behind this. It's all to do with their concerns on the cap reform, climate change bill and also how important farming is to local communities. Today rallies are being held in Bandon, Skibbereen, Middleton, Kenturk and Mitchellstown. And let's cross live to Bandon. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran joins me. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, JP. First of all, what's the atmosphere like today and has there been big crowds turning out for this protest? Yes, for JP, as you said there, there are five protests in Skibbereen, Middleton, Mitchellstown, Canturk and here in Bandon and farmers are just gathering in the yard of the Bandon Mart. There's about 30, 40 farmers here at the minute and there's about 15, 20 tractors and a few uh, Land Rovers and trailers and they said that they're trying to keep the numbers down because obviously we're still in the middle of the pandemic and we still have COVID restrictions so it wouldn't be the same scale as it would be if the restrictions weren't in place here but there is a good turnout here the sun is shining it's um, it's you know it's, it's, there's a nice atmosphere amongst farmers here a lot of them are glad to be able to get out and have the chat but I think the underlying um, atmosphere and the underlying concerns here are very prevalent they're you know I think we spoke to Harold Kingston yesterday about those concerns they're having this day today it's a day of action and uh, the cap and the the cap reform the, the climate action bill and I've been speaking to some local farmers here from the area and yeah and, and, and I, I have an audio here actually Fiona as we just go into this interview you spoke with John O'Brien who's a, a Barry Rowe farmer and he spoke to you and the reason he came out on 
on the streets this morning just let's hear what uh, John had to say to you earlier I suppose um, there's major change um, coming at us very quickly uh, from a cap perspective you know and we need to be sure going forward that um, farmers uh, will be in a secure position Uh, it's vitally important that the people understand that the funding that has been made available to farmers through the cap is for the production of food uh, production of a it's the cheap food policy okay and it sustains that and like farmers have to earn a living and have to have to have a return from their work and their um, you know their day to day operations to sustain the whole thing going forward and to sustain the next generations so it's vitally important that any changes coming at us be they from Brussels or be they from a government perspective are are positive and are sustainable so it's um, you know we're facing big changes and I think it's very important that people of the town and people of rural Ireland uh, understand the implications of some of the changes that are coming at us are you seeing an impact of these changes directly yourself? We're not yet because I suppose the changes haven't been fully announced yet. We don't. Look, there has been decreases in our direct payments uh, over the last number of years. And I think we can't sustain any more um, decreases in these in these payments. Um, we're seeing that change, OK? There, there has been changes since the last round of, of cap talks, OK? But the the I, I think there's a, a a desperate uncertainty at the moment um, between environmental issues and and changes to the cap payments as to what coming at us. I think it's very unclear at the moment. I think people um, a lot of people don't understand the implications of this and what's coming at them. So it, it's important that there's a full understanding and that there's a full appreciation of what is required and what's needed to sustain farming into the future. And that is John O'Brien. He is a farmer in Cork McSherry, I should have said, not Barry Row. He'll be killed for that in the two neighbouring areas. But it's Cork McSherry John is farming in. And Fiona, when you were speaking to John, and this is coming up from farmers as well, Fiona, that they're worried about the future generation coming into farming. And if there'll be a farm there for their son or daughter. Yeah, that's what John was saying to me here. And he was saying that he has a son who's gone into the farming uh, sector, he's gone into the farming business alongside him and he's concerned about the impact that this is going to have on his future. And I spoke to another farmer, she's a female farmer, Anya, from again from this area as well. She was saying to me that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great business, it's a great job to get into. And she was saying that um, it's one of the one um, sectors of society where gender doesn't really matter, everybody comes together to do the same job. But she said that nowadays, with all of these changes and the, the difficulties that farmers are facing and making a living if these changes are brought in, that it wouldn't encourage young people to get into the farming business, which she says is a shame. And what I suppose what a big part of the campaign here today is to highlight the importance that agriculture has on society and the spin-offs. I mean, you know, we're here at the Mart, there's jobs here, there's jobs being provided in... Um, you know, the shops as a result of agriculture, the drivers that are involved. And, you know, it's it's not just the, 
you know, if, if the farming community was to be reduced in rural Ireland, it would have such a knock-on effect on on all different sectors of society. Yeah. And even for the hotels or restaurants, if there's a mart mm-hmm. day on, you will see people, maybe not at the moment, but when things return, it will go to a local restaurant or a hotel for food. So there's a massive knock-on effect and you have co-ops and everything involved in yeah. that. You mentioned uh, the farmer there, Anya, who operates near Band. And here's more of what you said to you earlier on, Fiona. But I contract rare dairy heifers and I just think you know like even listening on the way down to my red McGuinness like it is frightening what is coming down the track for farmers and the only thing I'm grateful for is that I'm I'm as old as I am I looking around at the young farmers here like I would not swap places with them for a second because it's just getting more difficult between climate change and cap and what's coming down about the antibiotics with the, the availability of antibiotics for cattle and it's just um, I know farmers are always grumbling, but I think that really it's it. And, you know, if you take, I mean, even looking around here, like if you take farming out of a place like West Cork, um, it's a case of you want Mrs. Suntle, we're gone. Um, it's it's just huge. It's 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 massive. You know, like I mean, you have the mart, you have so many spin-off jobs from it. Um and it's it's just it's just it's just very very important that we just come out and just try and make some little bit of a statement, um, that things that we need a bit of support and that, you know, that people will realise that we are under pressure. And the running theme, like other industries, is those who are coming into the industry. They they fear for the future of what is down the line. How long will the protest continue today, Fiona? There in Bandon and other areas, as a lot of Texas are asking, when, uh, will, how long will they be there for? Will there be more disruption later on today, or, or are they causing any disruption there? No. Um, now the the time just so that it wouldn't cause too much disruption. Eleven o'clock is not known to be a busy time in a lot of these towns. It wouldn't have the peak traffic times of the morning or in the evening. They're also cognizant of the fact that the there's students doing their leaving cert today. So they're trying to cause minimal disruption. Now, they are still here at Bandon. Harold Kingston is addressing the group of farmers who are here, and the farmers are all parked up and ready to go. So what they'll be doing is they'll be driving through the town um, within the next few minutes, but they're not going to be stopping anywhere. They're just driving through. There will be a little bit of traffic disruption as they drive through, but they're not stopping anywhere. They're coming straight back here, and then they will disperse. They're actually just um, getting ready to leave now, JP, as I'm speaking to you. And um, they're trying to cause uh, minimal disruption to these towns that they're having these uh, protests in today. But there will be some slow traffic, I I expect, for the next half an hour to an hour. But um, they, they hope to be done and dusted fairly shortly now today. Okay, are they getting support from passers-by there? Yeah, there's, um, you know, there's been a lot of people who've been beeping their horns as they drive past. And um, I I suppose when they're driving through the town, there will be a good bit of support as well. But um, you can probably hear the traffic going there. as They're they're getting ready. So if anybody is around the banded area, um, you know, you will be expecting to see this. There's about 20 tractors and, and, and jeeps going to be coming through the town now within the next few minutes. So, um, yeah, uh, Harold was saying to me there that they don't want to cause too much disruption to people. But um, if anybody is tr- in a hurry, maybe um, 
stuck driving through the abandoned Yeah, they just need to highlight their issues, but you will be stuck behind tractors in Bandon. Yeah. And I presume similar is happening now as well. If you're going to be delayed in Bandon, you could be delayed as well in Skibbereen, Middleton, Kenturk, Mitchellstown. Mm-hmm. And those areas will all leave in the uh, same time frame. Uh, for the moment, Fiona, thanks for joining us this morning there from the Marsh and Bandon. That is our senior news reporter, Fiona Cochran. And your views are welcome on that. Are they right to protest? And do you agree uh, the knock-on effect that they will have if we do lose a lot of our farms within our farming community? 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Bernie, taking your comments. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and discussing regional accents next. And a lot of people have a favourite accent, not only here uh, across Ireland, but elsewhere across the world as well. We'll discuss those next. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include a childminder required in the Mallow area. Call or text 085-194-3711. A carpenter is required for the Cork City area. Send your CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com and a sales assistant is required for Hagerty Lighting in Clonacilty. You can email your cover letter and a CV to nhclon at gmail.com. You'll find these jobs and more on offer now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. For its size, Ireland has an astonishing diversity of scenery, surpassed only by its bewildering diversity of accents. If you slope down the east coast, you hit Dundalk and Drauda. Of course, the best English is spoken in Dublin. You know that. Oh, yes, that's admitted all over the world, you know. Well, all over Dublin, anyway. Of course, the best English is spoken in Cork. I mean, that's universally accepted. Of course. Shall I mean anyone understand the way we talk? Yeah, but I was at an international match last year and I was taken for a Welshman. Imagine that, a fella tried to persuade me that Cork people talk like Welshmen. And where do you live, Galway? I'd say Galway had the nicest and softest of all Irish accents. Well, that is Neil Tobin there uh, on his sketch regarding Irish accents. And accents, I suppose, it's something that makes us all uh, very interesting. And for a small country like Ireland, it's fascinating the amount of regional accents we have in this country. But it seems now children are slowly losing uh, the local accent. Well, Jill Anderson, who is a communication and vocal coach at the Dublin School of Drama, joins me to discuss. Good morning to you, Jill. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us today. I suppose, first of all, you're a vocal coach, and in your line of work, would you see a lot of people coming to you who maybe have to travel for work or work for big organisations, and when they have to discuss items or even meet with people from other countries, they need people like you to train them in and how to talk with different languages and different cultures across the world? Yeah, it would be. So for a lot of people who would work in multinational companies, there is I suppose, a big emphasis on how you communicate and how you communicate well so that people from different nationalities, different countries who maybe English is not their first language can understand what you're saying. And have you noticed over the last number of years more and more people availing of services like your own because I suppose the world itself is getting smaller? Definitely. And also as well, um, in work nowadays, so maybe you trained in in a a profession, maybe accountancy or the medical profession or something like that. 
and you went into it because you loved figures, you loved working with people, but you didn't realize that public speaking, presenting, that kind of thing would be a large part of your job. And now what's happening, people are finding this particular area where maybe they're just not so keen on, and they have to be good at it in order to progress their career. So they might kind of shy away from presenting in public, but if they want to kind of go up the corporate ladder, the professional ladder, they need to develop the skills and potentially get over a fear, which a lot of people have of talking in front of others and presenting in front of others. Yeah, and a lot of that fear became very real over the last year when if you were usually in a meeting room with three or four people, you suddenly found yourself on Zoom or one of the other networks and you're in front of maybe (laughs) 20 people and then the nerves kick in when you have to discuss something and people did become more, the appearance was the first thing people were were more aware of and then I think the accents came following that. And would you agree then with some people who are coming out and a lot of reports and even texts this morning who say recently they've noticed children losing their local accents and that the Atlantic Drift is coming in and mainly due to American and UK TV shows they're watching more of or streaming more of and even the pronunciation of certain words is the way you would hear them pronounced in America or the UK. Have you noticed that? Definitely. Um, So kids that would come, you know, they'd say garbage and trash and things like this rather than, you know, traditionally rubbish and you'd call it would be cops rather than guards, that kind of thing. But if you, if you think about it, most of the TV that kids would watch is generally now on Netflix or, or streamed and, and probably as well over COVID with the amount of time that we've all spent inside. They've been watching more and more TV, so it's becoming much more prevalent. And regarding that, I mean, is it something that will go on into the future from the next generation coming up? Could we have a situation where the local accents that we're used to now could disappear? Yeah, I'd say you could very possibly have a situation like that. I would hope myself that it wouldn't happen because I just think all the different accents are what makes it interesting, be it the different accents in Ireland or the different accents all over the world. But um, kids up to the age of eight have a, a part of their brain that instinctively knows how to make every single sound that they hear. So if they're watching American TV and they're hearing all the American sounds, and then, you know, they're replicating that. And then they're going into school and their friends are doing the same thing and their friends are hearing all the American things. So then they're in school as well. So their friends are doing the same thing. So then it kind of becomes compounded, if you like. So the American accent nearly becomes slightly stronger. So what we would have noticed is that it, it's kind of, um, particularly in Dublin, it's this kind of safe side Dublin mixed with American kind of twang and things like the ends of your sentences go up now whereas before traditionally in Ireland we wouldn't have done that but in America they do you know no one says their T's or their D's very clearly it's very constants are kind of softer than what we would normally have Yeah, and the other side of this then is people are aware this is happening and some people want to disguise their accent. Then when do you come across that in your role when, and we we have this a lot in in, in radio and TV as well, when you pronounce certain words, some part of the country, it's dialect, I suppose, will say one word one way, another part will say a word a different way. Uh, Is there a right and a wrong when it comes to that kind of situation? I mean, would you kind of knock out the regionality out of people when they are discussing that with those in other countries or, or does it make a difference? No, you see, there's a difference between 
having an accent and being clear and being understood. And so everything that we would teach would be to help people speak with their own accent, but to be clear and to be understood. And that's things like slowing down, opening your mouth, projecting your voice. So, for example, I'm from Dublin. I can speak quite quickly, um, like most of us can. So if I'm trying to talk to somebody, you know, who's not a native English speaker, then if I slow down, then they can understand me much better. So it's all about kind of clarity of speech and articulation rather than getting rid of the lovely little nuances that we all have. And even, you know, some of my friends wouldn't be from Ireland and they just love the expressions that we have. You know, they find them really funny because it makes it interesting. And it's such a shame then if everything is kind of merged and we we lose all of these unique features and kind of turn of phrases and things like that. Yeah, you'd hate if it all became globalised and we're all kind of speaking with the one phrase and those old Irish sayings that we have and either things from other countries that have come in that they disappear. It would be awful if that happened. And just on something that's a bit different than what we're talking about, but it has come up in text from Vera, a lot of people going for jobs or even speaking to other people, maybe they're from areas of inner city or from a very rural area and have a very distinct accent. Is that something that people just, when they go to you, they want that more or less removed or how can I flatten it out? my accent because some people feel if they have an accent like that that they won't be taken seriously or won't get on yeah that's actually an interesting point and we would have people that would come and they feel and and it generally kind of stems around the corporate world or the professional world that they feel like if they have a very very strong accent that they, they won't be taken seriously but at the same time they don't want to lose their accent because they don't want to go home to all of their friends and all of a sudden have a completely different accent so what we try to do is neutralize the accent for them, you know, when they're in a work environment, but show them how to do it so that they can speak in their natural their natural accent when, when they go home. But again, the one thing that we would always be kind of pressing with people is not to lose the accent, but just to speak more clearly. And very finally, a few people texting. You said you're from Dublin. Are you born and bred Dublin? Because a lot of people asking, where, where are you originally from? If you are, are you from Dublin yourself? I am from Dublin myself, but I've lived in a lot of different places. Uh, that's so um, I, I probably have a mishmash of <laughs> lo- loads of different accents that are in there. <laughs> and what is your favourite accent, either, either worldwide or just here in Ireland? What's one of your favourites? I have to say Cork. And I do, yeah, I do like the Cork accent. I like the sing song, you know, nature <laughs> yeah. of it. I like the Donegal accent. Um I'm not marking on the Dublin accent. Some parts of Dublin I don't like. Um, but I do. I like the Cork accent and I like I like the um, the Donegal one. Yeah, well, Donegal is proving very popular, right, on our text today. And Cork obviously is as well because of where we're located. But Donegal is coming out nearly on top. Uh, Jill, fantastic to talk to you today. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, interesting piece. And hopefully we don't lose our regional accents over the years and we don't become too globalised. And best of luck to you and your work. Lovely, thank you very much. Thank you, take care. That is bye Jill. Bye bye. That is Jill Anderson there, who is a communication and vocal coach at the Dublin School of Drama on regional accents. And a lot of people getting in contact as we've had all morning regarding this. First of all, Jim says, Hi, John Paul. I love the Donegal accent. And that's what we were mentioning there with Jill, love the Donegal accent uh, with We Daniel and the Derry accent with the Derry Girls program on TV. Also, the Longford accent, especially Maura Higgins, uh, says Jim. And 
and Offaly. I do like the Offaly accent, says Jim, and it's something that he became aware of with the show Pure Mule uh, when uh, that was on air, God, over about 10 or 15 years ago. Even though it was repeated last year during the lockdown, but it originally was on our screens about 10 or 15 years ago, but it did make a comeback uh, like many shows did last year. So the Offaly accent, that's the first time now we've had Offaly on the text uh, today. So hi to you, uh, Jim, and thank you for that. Outside of Ireland, Jim says the Scottish and Welsh and even French accent is very nice too. While Margaret says, Hi JP, I love listening to accents, trying to determine where they all come from. I have noticed of late though, uh, most of the young people have a more cultured accent uh, and as Jill said, a more American twang to the accent. And that is because they're watching so much TV at a young age. But Margaret feels that young Kerry people, they speak like the Heady Rays. Uh, and that's a good thing, uh, says Margaret on WhatsApp to 0862103103. While Mike in Bantry says, hi JP, I love the New Zealand accent. Have a big grow, uh, has Mike, for the New Zealand accent. And Tim says, I agree with your earlier callers about the Donegal accent. I love that. But also, I like the Galway accent. I think there's a nice soft tilt uh, to the Galway accents and Jerry uh, says Wexford have a very deep accent but a nice accent it's a mixture of Waterford and Dublin feels Jerry not sure <laughs> people from Wexford will feel about that description but uh, Jerry uh, liking the Wexford accent so what's your favourite accent either in Ireland or maybe parts of Cork I mean I know from the phones here we can identify not exactly the town a person's from, but you'd always know if a person is calling from maybe Duhallow or the Evan Du region or the West Cork region, be that the Bandon Clonakilty, Skibbereen side of West Cork or further west to Beira, uh, Bantry and those areas, the Manway. You, you, you get the gist of the accents, East Cork, the different areas of the city. So even though you won't know the exact town, you'll know if a person's calling from either North Cork, West Cork or the city areas. And that's just Cork alone. What is your favourite accent? Let us know. 1850. 333103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 a lot more calls and comments coming in on different situations too one we are trying to get clarification on this is from Peg who says the vaccinations you mentioned there about Cork earlier are you aware in Limerick that the Limerick race course which are carrying out vaccinations that this Saturday and Sunday due to the horse racing they're not I think this is ridiculous says Peg even though Limerick has the highest rate in the country uh, we are going to get clarification on that Peg and thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 but it's Skibbereen we head to next and we're going to hear how a pottery studio have come up with a new way of fundraising this year for Marymount. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And we have a number of callers now after reading out that text earlier regarding the vaccination centre in Limerick at the Limerick Racecourse. A lot of people have been told that they won't get vaccinated this weekend and we've just been told uh, that the vaccination centre in Patrick's Well uh, is going to close tomorrow to facilitate a horse racing meeting. Uh, the racecourse has confirmed this but we are awaiting a statement from the HSC and a lot of people are saying now they've got the schedules in the North Cork Limerick area for Nina uh, Mallow which suits some not all though if you're living in other parts of Limerick I suppose and even Dublin uh, we'll go back to that story after 12 o'clock which is just developing across the morning and calls we're getting here regarding that because some feel it's unfair because it was in a hotel it was decommissioned from the hotel it seems and moved to uh, Patrick's Well where the race course is anyhow we'll get back to that shortly but so 
Surely fundraising activities have had to change in the past year. So Cray Pottery, uh, who have a studio in Skibbereen, have come up with a new way of fundraising for Marymount Hospice. And Sophie Mile, the co-owner of Cray Pottery, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Sophie. Good morning, JP. Thank you so much for having us on. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, I know, I love your radio show and like I'd have it in my car going. So like, this is great. Thank oh, do you, you so much. <laughs> well, well done, well done. Well, We're delighted. <laughs> delighted to have you on. Yeah, and you're very, you sound very chirpy. So great to have you on this oh, yeah, morning. Always, always. So, well, yeah, that's so, great. Uh, as, as you said, we are Cray Pottery Studio and we have a painter and pottery studio down in Skibbereen. And normally you'd come in, we got hundreds of pieces of pottery to paint and you can choose your piece and then you paint it um, and then we can glaze it in the kiln and then it's dishwasher proof and everything or we can give you acrylic paints which are fabulous, they're bright and some of them are metallic and they, and they dry at home. So now because of COVID obviously we can't see anybody mm. here. Um, and every year we do a fundraiser for Merrimount. But we've now developed these kits so that you can do it at home. And this is what we're doing for Merrimount. We are um, offering a paint-your-own bird kit. So it's a beautiful bird. It's like the size of a grapefruit. So it's quite a big bird. And it comes with paint and brushes. And you can paint in the comfort of your own home. And they're only €15 per kit. That's a fantastic idea. And it's a very good offer, a good price as well. They're considering what you were getting. And a lot of people have taken up hobbies uh, like painting. I know walking a popular one, but painting has become a big one. So having something like this that you can send to someone will not only uh, keep a lot of people in a household happy, you're also raising funds for Marymount. Why is Marymount such a close charity to your heart there at Cray Pottery? Well, Marymount, as you know, is just the most amazing charity. So they're based just outside Cork and they are offering, you know, this palliative care and either in your own home, which I think is amazing, um, or also on a residential sort of basis at their lovely uh, premises they have. Um, My business partner here, Suzanne, her mother was in there about four years ago for about a month. And they were just incredible, not only for for Tony, but also for the whole family. The support that they gave was just incredible. Um, And so it is very, very close to our hearts. And we just, um, they put out a shout out earlier this year that they wanted to um, improve their garden space, you know, so people can have family visits, you know, in, in a sort of safe outside space. Um, And this is what we're, we're hoping to help raise money for. And with COVID over the last year, you've obviously had to change your business model and the shopping cafe mm. had to close for, for a while and everything is reopening now again, as you know, but you rejigged your business model so over the last year. Had you, did you have to go yeah. more online or, or how did it go for you? Yeah, absolutely. So Suzanne is actually, she is my website guru. She has done our incredible website, which is com, and they, and everything can be bought on there. So it's, there's no contact. You can just pay with your card and it gets delivered to your door. We do postage for only five euro. And I say everything is in kits and sometimes you can do it with glazes if you choose and send it back to us and then we fire it in the kiln and send it back out again. Thank goodness for the post office. <laughs> <laughs> Which is near enough to you there as well. Your, your location is at Market Street in Skibbereen. Exactly. So yeah. you're below so the Bank of Ireland, that area of Skibbereen there are, if people want and, to find you. Uh, okay. Stone's throw from the post office too. Yeah, exactly. That's where we are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I must say the kit is a great idea because it, it has something that has come up a lot of people picking up hobbies over the last year. Uh, painting is one of them. And just go through the kit again, because when you, you go and get the kit, first of all, you get it on your website. Is that the best way to or, yeah, or call it? absolutely. You? Now, obviously, anybody can come into the pottery now and we've got it all kind of laid out. and We've got fabulous rainbow box kits. So they're all kind of themed, you know, sea themed ones or um, but this. So many different pieces that they can choose from here. And as I say, are on the website. Um, that It's all laid out really easily and you just choose what you'd like and then it just turns up at your door. 
Um, and and then it does you... contain literally everything you need. There's even help, uh, helpful sort of hints and tips and a little instruction thing and uh, selection of paints, lots of colours and also brushes, obviously, of course. That is great. And the store itself, are you open now again? We are. We How are, are things... So well, we can't seat people yet, so mm. we're, we're still very much open as a retail space, so, which, is, which is great because people are really coming. People are so supportive. Like, I mean, I can't thank, you know, the people of Cork have just been incredible. Um, and um, you can come in and you can wander around. We have a one-way system in here, and we're still doing lots of takeaway coffees, and we have sort of nice cakes and things. Um, and hopefully when we can seat people, of course, everyone can come in and paint, and then you just book online and away you come. True, and the local businesses everywhere across Cork and indeed there in Skibbury need all the support at the moment so do go along and support your local business and mm. just give your website there again for those who do wish yeah, to go along absolutely. and get these kits. So it's craypotterystudio.com so that's C-R-E craypotterystudio.com and you can go on there get those kits and you'll have the brush in the kit you'll have the ceramic bird everything you need is in there and that will arrive to your doorstep and then you and your family or whoever can paint those but all the money goes directly then to Marymount so a good cause Yeah absolutely and it's a lovely present to send somebody a bit further afield you know something you might be thinking of that you can't see and yeah I know it's great Totally, and you've uh, painted it yourself and everything, so it is a fantastic present that way. Uh, Sophie, great to talk to you, and uh, I'm glad you're here. You tuned in to us and you enjoyed the show, so thank you for that. And best of luck with your business there in Skibbereen. Brilliant. Thanks so Take much. Care. Have a good weekend. Take Same care. Same to you. Bye. Bye-bye now. That is Sophie Mild there. A lovely person, isn't she? Uh, very bright and bubbly and, and positive. That's what we need more of. So Sophie Mild, who's a corner of Cray Pottery in Skibbereen on what they're doing this year for Marymount Hospice. Uh, those kits, they look amazing. You can go onto their website and get all the details there. Uh, their website is craypotterystudio.com and best of luck to them. And again, something that you could do at home with the children as well uh, if you have taken up the art of painting over the last year. Cork today Bernie, take in your calls 1850-333-103 Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 John Paul McNamara with you until one in for Patricia this week and Patricia returning from our holidays on Monday and we have a lot of calls in to us over the last hour or so from people who live in the border areas of North Cork and in Limerick who aren't very happy and it's just been confirmed to us in the last while that the vaccination centre which is located at the race course in Limerick in Patrick's Well is to close tomorrow and this is to facilitate a horse racing meeting. Well, Peg joins me from Ballyneety on this. Good afternoon to you, Peg. Hello, hello, John Pauly. And thanks it's for joining Benny. us. You're not very happy about this news which is coming out and you have concerns about future race meetings. Sorry, can I tell you, I, it's Ballyshidi, a famous place. Oh, Ballyshidi you're in. Sorry, Ballyshidi. I was told Ballyneety. Ballyshidi, very good. We have, a, we have a well-known man from Ballyshidi. You might know him, J.P. McManus. I do indeed. I don't know yes, him personally, yes. but I know of yes, him, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> Anyway, Ballyshidi. I'll just tell you, I was very disappointed there this morning when I heard on the news that um, that the vaccinations were going to be cancelled Saturday and Sunday in, part in the race course. My own story is I'm, I'm 70 years of age. I'm waiting on my second dose of AstraZeneca. I got the first one on the 21st of April in the Red Sand, which went very well, very well organized out there. My next one now is not due till the 21st of July, and 
seemingly they are to be brought forward a month, but we have heard nothing about it, you know. So yeah, I'm and they are being brought forward. They are being pegged just to ease your worries there on that. The yes. health service have just said in the last uh, day or so that the time gap, as we know, is going to go to eight weeks, but they're going to yes. start delivering those doses from Monday yes. of AstraZeneca. Yes. So hopefully yes. from Monday you'll hear and others will hear yes. when they will yes. get their second jab. Uh, but your concern yes. is when you will get the jab and where? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'd be quite willing, of course, to go to go to Patrick's when it's only over the road. That should be mm. ideal, all right, you know. But the virus, I mean, since the instance of cases are, is very high in Limerick, and I think it's very essential for as many vaccinations to be done as soon as possible, you know. And is that the only vaccination centre in Limerick? I know there was one on in a hotel as well, the Radisson. Has that now totally uh, been decommissioned? Yes, because of... Uh, of the hospitality centre being open, they needed that hotel now. And that's gone back now to be open as yes, a hotel, of course, so now the they moved it here. Well, okay. you know, and so, you would have thought um, that, you know, race meetings are also coming back on stream and you would have thought they'd have something in mind when yes. the race course was going to be open for racing purposes that they yes. either move things around or have something in place, but it's seemingly they're just going to yes. close there for that are, day. There are two days in June and three days in July, seemingly, where the vaccinations will be cancelled due to racing, which is very disappointing for us, you know. And you're worried that for those of you who are waiting on your second dose of AstraZeneca and those in other age groups who are waiting for their first yes. dose or, or yes. whatever yes. vaccine they are going to receive, that they will have and to travel elsewhere or could be delayed, yes. even though I know yes. now the HSC yes. have come out and said that they are not going to be open vaccination centres every day uh, yes. as they give certain staff a break mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But yes. this is more or less to do with the racing and your fear is that people will lose out in Limerick and the, yes. the North Cork area. Yes, really, you know, I'm disappointed with uh, whoever decided this, you know, so anyway, hopefully. It's a strange one. Yeah, I it is I get my very soon now, you know. Mm, well, hopefully you do, Peg. I mean, you should yes. do anyhow, according to news yeah. out in the last uh, 24 yeah. hours, you but, should do. But like, is it going to delay people now with this room? Well, I mean, that's, that is the so question now from the HSE. Will it delay people? Because if mm-hmm. the centre is going to be closed, as you say, Peg, will now that lead to backlogs in Limerick? And I mean, you yeah. made a very good point. At the moment, there's a lot of high cases in that area. So it's, it's yes. the one area of the yeah. country that should not be closing a centre, okay. really. It's opening more centres, really. There should be, totally. You know? Totally agree with you, yeah. And where you are there now in Ballyshidi and in other areas of Limerick, is there a high concern because the news reports saying that you are and, and looking at the stats, it seemingly is the highest area in the country at the moment for COVID. Are you worried? I mean, when you go to your local shop, when you go out and I about? Am. I am. I was out, out shopping this morning, you know, and I'm very, very nervous with, with shopping, you know. And was there, were those uh, nerves gone in the last while until this spike happened in Limerick again? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, really, but I am very nervous going to the shop, you know, and, um, I mean, we're we're very little, except the AstraZeneca, like, you're only partially being covered with um, AstraZeneca, really, with this variant, with this Delta variant sensor, you know, with that. And that's your worry that's with the really. Delta variant or the Indian variant, yes. as it also yes. was known yes. as being yes. in the country. If that was there, you'd be, you'd be fearful for that. And yes. Yes. have you noticed other people who are saying the same to you and other people who are slow even yeah. to go out for a drink or a meal now because yeah. of what's happening in Limerick? Oh, yeah. A lot of my friends in our own age group now are very nervous going anywhere, you know. So it is 
thinking, you know, uh, most of ours, I mean, I'm 70, we were very unlucky in our, because I was 70 the first, first days of May, as uh, and we had to go into that area then to get our vaccine, or anyone over that then got it, of course, in the four weeks, we... And, the 60 to 69 years were unlucky, all right, you know. But we're, we're glad to get any any vaccine really, you know. But yeah. With, with the delay of the, six, of the 12 weeks, hopefully now we will... Well, hopefully we'll get it quite soon. And I, I do hope that what's happening there in the centre in Limerick, that it won't delay the progress of vaccinating people like yourselves and others yes. uh, in the Limerick area of all different age groups. We'll wait and see. We are waiting for the yes. HSC to respond with a statement. Right. The race course have right. confirmed what you've said. We're waiting yes. now for the HSC mm-hmm. on what goes on what does happen for the future of that area. And yeah. uh, yourself, how have you found the last few months? I mean, you got the vaccine. Are you feeling a bit more hopeful now that the second one hopefully uh, is on yes. the way? Yes, yes. Definitely. Just listening to the the number of cases in hospital and in ICU at the moment, it's very, very good, really, you know, compared to this time last year. Thank God, at least we're on the road to... Things are lowering and things are working, yeah. Exactly. Hopefully it will will stay that way, fingers crossed. And Ballyshidi, how are things in Ballyshidi? I mean, are things getting back to normal? Are are, are Uh, shops, bars all opening? Yeah, well, yeah, they could be like, all right, although we have no Pope now in Ballyshidi now. No. The nearest one would be be Drumbana, kind of. The four elements in Drumbana and and, and Ballyshidi as well, you know, so... It's quite in Belichick. It's only a small place, even though we're famous for our... You are uh, indeed. JT, <laughs> you know, the, so. big, the big stud there now in, in Belichick, yes. so you, you, you're well known yes. for that. Yes, well, yes, Peg, indeed. I wish you best of luck and hopefully yeah. all goes well for you. Um, we will wait and see what the yeah. HSC says on that matter. And uh, um, lovely to talk to you today and yeah, thanks for calling I, us. Just just tell you, I listen to C103 a lot. You know, I love the programmes there and, and, and Patricia there every day as well. Oh, you're very so. kind. You're, Thank you. you're very kind, Peg. Bye Thanks bye. very much for calling. Thank you. Uh, that's Peg there who's called us from Ballyshidi uh, in Limerick on what's happening there and affecting a lot of people uh, in Limerick, but also in the border areas of North Cork, uh, where it has been confirmed to us uh, that the vaccination centre in Patrick's Well is set to close tomorrow to facilitate the horse racing meeting there at the race course in Limerick. Now we are awaiting for the HSC to come back to us. No, they thought they had come back. They haven't. Uh, we are awaiting the HSC to come back uh, with a statement on that and when they do we'll bring that to you. Uh, but it seems at this stage that those who are awaiting appointments and have those appointments that they are going to be rescheduled uh, for the likes of Nina, Mallow, which would be okay for people in the North Cork area and some even Dublin. Uh, but uh, Nina and Mallow you would hope people would get which would be nearer for those in that uh, particular region uh, and it's under the vaccination centre will close again then on four other dates in June and July when racing is taking place. That's at the uh, Limerick race course near Patrick's Well. Uh, your views are welcome on that and uh, our best wishes to Peg there as well. 1850-333-103. Uh, we spoke earlier on the show to do with farming and we heard from farmers who are more or less around now probably finishing up the protest at the various areas across Cork uh, they were in. A texter here says, John Paul, if standalone farmers were depending on the IFA to represent them, then they would be in trouble. Uh, They only represent the big partnership farmers and the big companies, feels this texter. While Declan Walsh of the IFA in Mourne Abbey, he says 90 cent 
of every euro received by farmers is spent locally in their community. So uh, that aspect of the benefit farming has the local areas. We were allowing that from even Mark Day. You will see local restaurants, hotels a lot busier. I know things are a bit different now, but when things slowly open up further, you will notice that in your local town that has a mart on mart day uh, and then the knock-on effect of co-ops and local stores uh, and Declan is making the point uh, from Moran Abbey IFA that 90 cent of every euro receives uh, by farmers is spent locally and we heard from uh, Fiona Corcoran our senior news reporter who was in Bandon earlier on and from farmers in both uh, Cork McSherry and near Bandon town itself who uh, fear for the future of farming for the younger generation coming up I mean Onya that farmer that spoke uh, to Fiona on the fact that if she was looking at the farming industry now, would she be jumping into it with all the rules and regulations and the changes and the climate bill and everything coming down the road? So it is a tough call for those who are entering the industry at this stage. We thank you for your calls regarding farming. Uh, phones, which we touched on earlier in the week, and this is from John in Clonakilty who says, John Paul, I have a smartphone with three, but the coverage, I've had no coverage since last night. I live in the Clonakilty area. Is there a problem with three in the Clonakilty area? Uh, in general, and we will wait for three to get back to us but in general overall there was a problem with the three network last night from around 10 o'clock in certain parts of the county that does continue so that possibly uh, could be your reason John uh, hopefully that will restore later on this evening if we get clarification just regarding Clonacilty Town we'll bring it to you but for the moment uh, there has been problems since late last night uh, for the three network in some areas only uh, and uh, hopefully will be restored later this evening but if we hear anything specifically for Clon we'll let you know before the close of the programme and John has been on to us in code and this is regarding the old cemetery in Cove or the old church cemetery in Cove he says or he thinks anyhow Cork County Council owns this and it has a new section and it has an old section but a lot of people from the Lusitania are buried there it is kept nice and tidy for the tourists but the new section is not kept so well he says it can become overgrown and it would be, be lovely to see both sections of this uh, graveyard kept and maintained uh, not only for tourists I suppose you mean John but for everybody in the area and for locals as well in Cove who have people buried there John thank you for your uh, call to Bernie from Cove in 1850 and we spoke about local accents earlier with Jill Anderson a vocal coach from Dublin and she was explaining how some younger people, children watching TV shows from the States and the UK, are picking up that lilt from America and the UK, pronouncing words differently than we would here in Ireland and bringing phrases from those areas of the States or the UK where that show is from. And that uh, wild or that uh, mid-Atlantic uh, lilt, they call it, isn't it, is coming in to uh, many of the accents now because of those TV shows. And we were asking, what is your favourite accent? And a a lot of people came back with various areas. I mean, Donegal was nearly top in the list, as is all the counties in Northern Ireland. Kerry, uh, Dublin, the inner city Dublin around the Liberties got a lot of calls about that. I think Donegal, all the counties in the north and uh, inner city Dublin make the top three from our listeners across the morning anyway. Also, uh, we had Wexford and Galway in there. Uh, John Untenk says his favourite accent is the West Cork accent, says John. While Tom says the Offaly accent, he forgot about, uh, but the pure music comment by Jim earlier reminded him that he does like that accent from Offaly and Maura says the Kildare accent is one for her what a lot of people are picking up about accents is 
wherever you are from in a county if you're nearby another county so uh, Tom or John there mentioned the West Cork accent uh, Tim says yes I do like the West Cork accent if I like the Kerry accent but they are so close that's why uh, maybe they sound alike uh, well then I have another Tom in Mitchellstown who says some areas of Mitchellstown are very Tipperary sounding but then they are nearby so the uniqueness of Ireland with its accents and thank you for your comments across the morning and your text regarding what accent you like in this country we're going to the movie show and also our series on Cork versus Covid will be finding out how cinemas and theatres are operating since reopening this week. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. And the Middleton GAA drive-in bingo. They have a change of venue. Now it's in the original grounds and it's in the field at the rear of the clubhouse and that's going ahead this evening at 7.30. And Martin Milan and friends will climb Caron Tool and that's going on tomorrow to raise funds for Mallow's Search and Rescue. You can support them by donating to their GoFundMe page. All monies raised will go directly to Mallow's Search and Rescue. And a drive-in bingo will take place in the community field in Durris and that's going ahead at 3 o'clock at the community field in Durris this Sunday. Great prizes. Everybody is welcome. And we'll stay with Driving Bingo because Timaleague Driving Bingo, that will take place on Sunday the 20th of June. It's at the Grain Store Yard in Timaleague. Bookings can take place from Monday the 14th of June for Timaleague Driving Bingo. And there's a driving concert and that's going ahead this coming Sunday. And it's at Teo Park and it's starting there at Teo Park at 2 Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And hi to Rose on text who says, can you please send best wishes to all involved in the Vale and Mallow Star. The paper celebrates 39 years in operation this week. So hello to all the gang there. It does indeed, Stephen and all the gang in the Mallow Star and indeed the Vale Star. It was in the early 80s. It kicked off at serving the communities of North Cork and South Limerick. So hello to all the gang there in the Vale Star and indeed the Mallow Star uh, on their 39th birthday this week. Best of luck to you all. And in our series for Cork versus Covid in this week's series our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran has been looking at cinemas and theatres and how they've been operating since reopening. She spoke with Tracy O'Brien of the Gate Cinemas and to Sophie Motley of the Everyman. Cinemas have been welcoming back their customers this week with Peter Rabbit 2 and Cruella the top choices for cinema goers. Gate cinemas in Cork City, Middleton and Mallow have been experiencing a steady flow of people since opening their doors on Bank Holiday Monday and Tracy O'Brien says it's advisable that people book online before arriving. It's been particularly strong at night so we're really encouraging customers to pre-book their tickets. We have a limit of 50 people per screen so it's selling out quite fast, particularly for um, our horror movies at night time. So when you come in, you'll if you've pre-booked, you will have your booking reference with you. Pop up to um, a staff member. They'll get your tickets for you. We have um, our foyers are all socially distanced also. So there's, there's plenty of space. Um, and then it's straight into your um, into the screening. So you will have assigned seats. So when you book your ticket, if you're booking on your own, there'll be a certain number of seats blocked off entirely around you so that um, you will be two metres socially distanced from the next party. Streaming allows us to watch all the latest movies from our homes but Tracy says it's not affecting bookings. We've come back really strong. We're really delighted with how busy we've been this week. 
I think people are so used to watching stuff at home from the last few months that it's such a novelty now to come to the cinema. Mm. And you know what? You can't beat going to the movies and sitting in a dark room, surrounded by strangers, watching a movie on the big screen and the smell of popcorn. (laughs) It's yeah, I I think it's it's just going to get stronger now that people had so long away from it that you'll want to come back to it. Across town at the Everyman Theatre, artistic director Sophie Motley says they're not opening their doors to the public until September. We've got quite a lot of work to do to get the building ready and safe for audiences to come back in. Uh, It's been empty for a long time and a lot of our teams need to learn how to make people feel comfortable. Um, And I think we need to be able to show and tell people how they will feel comfortable when they come in to to see something. But also, we have a number of commitments to companies that are coming in to film things. And it's very difficult once you've made a decision to make something for a film to suddenly shift it and have it for a live audience. But the theatre is currently a hive of activity. We are in the lunch break of a technical rehearsal for To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. And um, we're about to start filming it in order for audiences to watch it in June, a little bit later as part of the midsummer. So we've got um, our stage technicians mopping the stage. Um, we've got cameras set up all over the place, designers. Um, some things are being fixed. So that's the sound of the, uh, of the drill that you can hear in the background. Um, and there's just general excitement because the building is full of people. I think the building might just be grinning to itself because she's been sat here empty in McCurtain Street for over a year. And the fact that there are artists in here doing what they do is beyond exciting. Sophie says they're looking forward to a busy schedule to make up for the months they were closed. We're also planning on having an, an outdoor season of work this summer. So uh, we're keen to continue to trial that, uh, which is going to be at Elizabeth Fort supported by City Council. The first one of those will be uh, on or around the 22nd of July. Mm-hmm. So mid-July to mid-August, uh, we'll have a series of different sorts of events outdoors uh, for audiences. Uh, in a way, really, for us to be able to uh, to open the doors before we open the doors. And Tracy O'Brien says the Gate Cinemas are also preparing for a busy second half of the year. So we're currently trying to plan for our Indie Cork Festival, the Cork International Film Festival, and we're hoping to get our Japanese and French festivals in as well this year. So it's it's a busy few months coming up. <laughs> And as we heard there about the movies, it's great to hear that both that sector and indeed the theatre like the Everyman all reopening again. C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Let's check out what is in the movies and streaming. I'm joined as usual on a Friday by Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon, Mark. Hello, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And you went along and checked out this for us. This is Chaos Walking. Let's have a trailer first on this one. That was a terrible crash. Who are you? He's stronger than you know. With her power, there's no telling what he can do. If you want to protect the girl, you have to leave now. Keep you safe, safe. Keep you safe. Now, Mark, at the cinema. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are open again, so people are going to be looking at films that they can physically go back uh, without streaming at home, that they can walk into the actual cinema and experience cinema life again. Uh, on this one, Mark, looking at the trailer earlier, it, it appears they're walking through a forest or someplace anyway, and it, they'd very appeared lost. What's this one about? That's a very, very good question, and it's going to be very difficult to try and explain exactly what it's about, because, okay. yeah, I mean, yeah, if you thought that um, trailer there sounded chaotic, this uh, movie is called Chaos Walking. It is one of the most chaotic films I've ever seen. It really is all over the shop, and, uh, you know, it's been in development for a very, very long time. I mean, uh, Charlie Kaufman, apparently, he wrote the initial script based on the books. They're, these are uh, The Chaos Walking books are, are very popular, and uh, but as far as I'm aware, people who have read the books are very disappointed in the film anyway. Uh, I think Charlie Coffin started writing um, a script for it, uh, but over the years, like, he doesn't have a writing credit on the film, so therefore, over the years, they've changed the screenplay so often and so often and so often that apparently you know, the original script that was written and the one that was finally filmed um, have no similarity kind of whatsoever. Uh, the film also started um, principal photography back in 2017, and yet in 2019, they were still going back and re- doing reshoots. Um, so, I mean, there were problems with this, not only with the script, but but also with filming uh, for a very, very long time. I mean, there are those who say that the, the, that the books are unfilmable. Maybe that is a reality. Maybe that is the, the, the case. I haven't read the book, so I can't make that uh, kind of comparison. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, if, the, if you go back with reshoots, you're supposed to be able to fix exactly what might be going wrong. So um, if the reshoots kind of don't fix anything, it'll be interesting to see what the original film was like. It's directed by Doug Lyman, who's a very, very good director, let's make that quite clear. He directed uh, Age of Tomorrow, the uh, Tom Cruise film, and he also directed uh, The Bourne Identity. So he's a fine, fine director. 
But obviously, with the script that he had and the story that he had, he obviously found it very, very difficult to try and kind of make anything that kind of made any sense. Because as the film kind of progresses, every 10, 15 minutes, the film kind of goes off in a completely, uh, you know, a different tangent. And again, living up to its name, it does get a bit kind of chaotic. And uh, it's a film that tends to kind of weigh into the future. I think it's 2,257 on a planet somewhere in our solar system, which is very, very similar to Earth, but not quite. There are very strange creatures on there. There's an indigenous kind of tribe there uh, called the Spackles, who um, are the um, sworn enemies of the humans that uh, live on this planet. And this planet is populated only by men, because uh, Madge Mickelson, who's kind of the mayor of the town here, by the way, it kind of looks and feels and sounds like a Western, because on this um, planet, everybody kind of rides around on horses, and, uh, you know, they work the fields, and, you know, the, the towns that live in look like uh, kind of a Western town. Only The only difference is that uh, they don't use guns, they use kind of uh, space lasers, which is very odd. And it kind of reminded me of Cowboys vs. Aliens, that um, uh, Harrison Ford film of uh, a couple of years ago. Daisy Ridley then appears. She is in a spacecraft which crash lands onto the uh, planet, and we find that there are no women on the planet. There are only men. And the thing is about the men of the planet is that since they arrived on the planet, they can communicate and see and feel and hear everything that people are saying. And the way this kind of manifests itself in the film is to have this kind of fog which kind of shows what they're thinking and also um, voices what they are thinking. Uh, but women don't have this power. And it's, when I say power, it's, it can be very difficult sometimes if you're trying to keep, you know, a secret. Uh, and, of course, if you're thinking about that secret, it then appears in this kind of weird fog around their uh, their heads. And it doesn't really quite work. And that's partly and possibly, uh, you know, one of the problems with uh, the film because they also put a strange effect on the voice. And so it's very difficult to understand what the voice is saying. And so it tends to interfere with uh, the normal kind of conversation that's happening between characters. And it's very, very difficult. And you're trying constantly to catch what he's saying. And also the, the, the effect that they use is very, very difficult to see as well. So it doesn't work. And that, unfortunately, kind of causes, uh, uh, you know, the first main problem with the film. The second then is that um, um, Daisy Ridley decides to team up with Tom Holland. And Tom Holland knows of a, another part of the world that they live in where they can kind of safely... Um, uh, get away from uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who obviously has some kind of um, uh, kind of. Uh, he's got an idea of uh, what he wants to do with Daisy because he knows that Daisy can communicate with a with a spaceship, hopefully uh, in space, and so therefore he can remove himself from that island. And so, not only then during this journey to uh, Tom Holland and Daisy, really, not only are they kind of uh, trying to avoid the posse of uh, the mayor, but also they along the way have to deal with fighting. Uh, very, very strange, weird kind of creatures that inhabit uh, this um, this world. And the thing is, is that it's just, as I say, it's just all over the place, and there's no real chemistry between the two characters. Casey really hardly says a word uh, in the film, which doesn't really help her character, and mainly kind of centers on kind of Tom Holland just being kind of goofy all the time. And so, therefore, there are a couple of kind of interesting kind of uh, set pieces, and uh, some of them are pretty exciting. But in the main, unfortunately, it is very, very disappointing. I liked when you described there their communication because I only saw a very short trailer now before we came on air this morning and I was able to see that aura type thing that they have over them when they're talking but you don't know if they're talking or are the words coming from somewhere else and it can get confusing I would imagine if you're watching the film a full film of that because you don't know where the voices are coming from or what exactly do they mean is going to happen next so if that confuses the viewer it's going to confuse everybody as the film goes into the hour or two hours 
Yeah, and you know, the thing is that uh, sound design is one of, you know, the, the, the parts of movie making which tends to be kind of ignored somewhat, uh. and they always tend to kind of get it right, but this is one of those, uh, you know, uh, uh, situations where they just don't, it just doesn't really work. And it's very difficult to hear what they're saying, it's very difficult to kind of picture and imagine what they're saying, because also they talk over each other constantly, and um, and so that doesn't work, and, uh, you know, if they ever do make a, a new one, um, then hopefully they'll be able to solve that, which was very frustrating. Well, out of, I'm half afraid to ask you this, but out of 10, how, <laughs> how would you rate this one? Um, yeah, I mean, I've told you what's kind of frustrating about it, but there are some really, really funny and interesting sequences. And uh, there are times, you know, during the action sequences, they do work, but it is all over the place. It is a bit of a mess. But And there are occasions when it's kind of uh, relatively kind of entertaining. And uh, But unfortunately, it is a disappointment. But uh, I'll give it a six. A six, okay. Well, not the lowest score, so six out of ten uh, for Chaos Walking. There is some nice views there anyway, that unexplored planet. There's some nice scenery there. And uh, from Chaos Walking to Raya the Last Dragon, and this is on Disney+. Plus. It is, and it's uh, it's one of the kind of Disney kind of movies that they've made over the last few years that has kind of gone under the radar ever so somewhat. I mean, I didn't really know very much about it, and uh, which is a pity because it's actually one of the best I've seen in a very, very long time. And the thing about it is that it's um, it's also an, an original story because, of course, Disney has spent kind of the last 10, 15 years just basically remaking, you know, everything uh, that they've made before. So at least we have here we have an original princess and we also have um, an original story. And I'm delighted to be able to say that I was really, really surprised at just really how good it is. I mean, it's it's from Disney Hollywood Studios and, um, you know, it's as beautiful as you would expect it to be. I mean, modern animation is really, really extraordinary. And when you consider how long it takes, every two, three seconds of screen time could take kind of weeks to kind of uh, produce by these extraordinarily kind of really, really talented people. Um, and it's all there on screen. And so it's way better, in fact, than a lot of the kind of the big, big animated movies that, uh, you know, have gained a huge reputation over the last few years. And um, and so, you know, I'd be desperate for people to see it because it's absolutely lovely. And basically, it's about uh, these five kingdoms who are at peace at this time because of a kind of a weird kind of a, a glass orb which manages to kind of uh, keep away um, a... Um, this kind of virus, which could very well destroy their lands. Very topical there. Uh, but this particular <laughs> orb, it's like a yeah. glass orb, it kind of breaks into five separate pieces. And so each of the lands take a piece of this, hoping that they can use it to kind of fight off the virus. But in fact, what it actually does is it kind of opens the door to the virus. And so the, devir- the virus then begins to kind of infect people and turn them into uh, statues. And so therefore, our hero here, uh, she decides, uh, the character of Raya decides that uh, she takes it upon herself to go to each of the kingdoms and retrieve the pieces of the orb to kind of put it back together again to kind of restore everybody back to full health. And so it basically it's about her journey um, um, in, in retrieving these pieces of the orb. And whilst, you know, she's on this journey, she uh, teams up with a number of very, very interesting characters. One of which is a little baby, which initially you wouldn't think would work, but it does. In fact, uh, you know, the baby's very funny. And a lot of the, the characters actually do introduce a lot of uh, humor to the film. Uh, there's no songs. It's one of the very, I think it's only the second, I think, uh, Disney saw, uh, kind of princess movie which doesn't have a song. But there are some terrific action sequences. The, as you can imagine, the, 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 as I say, the animation is extraordinary. It's really, really funny. The only issue I had was with the actual dragon in it, itself. Now, they did go to Indi- in Indonesia, the artists, and they decided to use and uh, look at how, in fact, uh, you know, uh, those dragons are portrayed in kind of Indonesian culture, and they decided to use that in the film. Unfortunately, in doing so, they over
were kind of cartooned, I think, somewhat, the, 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 the dragon. And so therefore the dragon doesn't really quite match and the colours don't really quite match. Uh, the, uh, the voice is by Aquafina and uh, is, ter- is terrific and very, very entertaining. But as I say, that, that's my only issue is that I didn't really think that uh, the, the dragon looked quite right when you consider how beautiful the rest of the film is. So as I say, you know, it might not be one of the most kind of um, well-known of uh, Disney movies in recent times, but certainly it's better than most of them. Yeah, and you're right. It is a beautiful film when you look at the the photographs that I'm that I have here in front of me and the pictures on the production of the film. But the dragon, a very smiley dragon, compared to dragons go on films, it looks almost like a unicorn. Yeah, it's very hard looking. It really is. And as I say, it, it looks almost like a kind of a caricature. And so because of that, I don't really think it worked because of the colours. You know, the, the, the colour palette was so beautiful. And then you had this this almost really kind of garish, weird kind of kind of bluey kind of green character with really big eyes and which for me it didn't really work and I thought that was a shame. But the kids will love it, of course. The kids will love the dragon. Yeah, a movie for all the family, really. Indeed, yeah. Okay, so Rhea, The Last Dragon, out of a 10 mark for this one. Well, I watched it with my wife and my daughter and we all three loved it. We all thought it was absolutely terrific. I mean, you know, there were times when, you know, I got a little bit of oil moisture, I have to admit. Oh, yeah? And uh, indeed, yeah, it's lovely. And uh, so... And what, is it very it, emotional when you say that or is it sad? Yeah, there are times, there are times when the emotions does, it does work. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you do become emotionally involved in the film, which which is, is proof that it works and that it's a good movie, I think. So my wife gave it eight, uh, I gave it eight and my daughter gave it seven, so. So we'll we go we'll go with eight to give it a higher one. <laughs> eight out of ten. So for Rhea and well the Last Dragon, it it, it, it does it does look amazing. I must say, and the the the, the colours are amazing on the whole production as well. And again, you can get that now shortly coming to cinemas, and it's on Disney Plus. Mark, thank you for that. You're welcome. And we'll chat to you next Friday. That's Mark Malone there with our movie review. Uh, thanks to a number of people who've got in contact with us. And first of all, we spoke earlier with Katrina Toomey. Uh, and this was from Penny Dinners on people who are finding themselves in desperate situations. A lot of it uh, to do with mental health. And Tommy has texted and he says, yes, people can find themselves in a desperate situation mentally and financially. You can get over it, though, in time. Uh, there's medication, meditation, acupuncture and a lot more. It is possible and I am proof of this says Tommy who says it might help other people on WhatsApp to 0862103103 that's it though uh, for today and indeed for this week from me Patricia Messenger is back on Monday from 10am with Cork Today my thanks to Bernie Murphy who took your calls and produced the show I'll chat to you Sunday morning on the Irish Sunday across North and East Cork and Cork City John Green on the Irish Sunday across West Cork I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your weekend Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.